When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Go, you Redbirds. Go, you Redbirds. On the battle, fight for ISU. Welcome to In the Nest, the Illinois State Athletics podcast. Now, here's the voice of the Redbirds, John Fitzgerald. Hi again and welcome in to another edition of In the Nest, the official podcast of Illinois State Redbird Athletics from Learfield. I'm John Fitzgerald, and today we're talking Redbird baseballs. We're joined by Redbird head baseball coach Steve Holm, who's about to kick off his fifth campaign at the helm of the Birds this weekend when they open up a three-game set on Friday down at Austin P. Today's conversation is brought to you in part by Jason's Deli. Redbird fans, all good things start with wholesome ingredients. Visit Jason's Deli in Normal on Veterans Parkway today and receive free ice cream with every purchase. Coach Holm, thanks so much for stopping by. This is the time of year after a number of months being inside that your ball club's able to kick things off coming up on Friday. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, Our guys are certainly looking forward to getting outside. Um, This is the first year we've ever been outside here at home before the season started. So, you know, it won't be our first fly ball of the season like it was last year. But ultimately, yeah, we're looking forward to getting out there and getting after it. You're from Sacramento originally, and not only as a player, both in California at the junior college level, but at Oral Roberts where the temperature in the winters are a little bit lighter. You spent some time at Sacramento State as well. How difficult is it to prepare a ball club for the rigors of a 56-game schedule when you really haven't been out, for the most part, at least on the field, since the fall? You know, it's something that we've obviously haven't been great at, um, the years that it's been a little bit warmer, you look at our record in the beginning and we're a little bit better on those years. So um, one of our assistant coaches, Derek Perola, he played um, for me my first year here 
was his last year and he's he's from Munderline High School kid and his dad was a you know kind of a legendary high school coach up there and after one of my years here I was like hey Derek what are we doing wrong like like we don't, we're not prepared and you know he he got in there and he he called his dad and he gave us you know some tips on things we could do inside practices cuz I mean, like like you alluded to, I grew up in California. I did not have an inside practice, and if you did, it was just hitting a cage because it was raining that day. So we, we've adjusted some things and, and tried to, you know, be better at some of the inside things that you can do. And, you know, one of the things we've always said since we got here was we're going to do outside things when we're outside and inside things when we're inside. So there's a lot of things I think we do well in the fall that we don't, you know, necessarily practice certain things that we could practice inside and just do our outside things then. And it's just, you know, trying to get the guys more, you know, together and there on an inside practice is a lot harder than it is outside. You know, when baseball is a 70 degree weather sport and, you know, they walk in, there's snow on their shoes and, you know, sometimes and you get in the indoor, it's a little bit harder to get them, you know, livened up and and there's some things that we've done you know that we we got a drill that we we shoot those foam balls at them real fast and they got to run and cover bases it's pitchers and everybody and it comes out of the pitching machine and um it's it's pretty intense it comes flying and if you're not paying attention you know that little foam ball hits you in the lips so ultimately we do a couple things like that to kind of wake them up per se before it goes but you know Derek has been really good with with some of those inside drills there's so much individual development that takes place to better individual players from a development standpoint, whether or not it's pitching defensively or hitting for players as you work your way up into a season. However, at the same time, you're dealing with a team construct and trying to be successful collectively as a team. It's almost gotten to the point where you do individual baseball type things, as you mentioned, but then maybe need somewhat of a psychology degree to be able to collectively bring them all together and then compete all together on the field at once. Yeah, certainly. I mean, it, it seems like that stuff, it gets harder and harder every year. Um, Twitter can sometimes be your best friend and sometimes can be your worst enemy as a baseball coach. Um, there's, there's people out there that, you know, their, their job is to make money, you know, and they own facilities or they own, you know, some sort of coaching background that you know kids want to pay for and they 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 do a really good job of contradicting what most coaches coach and and it's always been that you know coaches have always coached a certain way and those people you know they they do a really good job of marketing and all that and sometimes you'll have a kid come in you're looking at him you're like you're almost standing on one leg before you even swing the bat, you know? And it's just something that, that, that they'll see on Twitter. And that, that part has been, you know, that as the evolution of, of the game has changed, it's very interesting to see that part. And with that, I think you just have to really get your players to believe that what you're doing for them is, is the best that you can and know that, you know, you're trying to help them so much that – They'll they'll believe and 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 with that belief that's where you, that's where you get the buy in and some of those things so um, it's certainly interesting you're always going to have have a couple guys show up that you know found something on Twitter per se but um, I think if you get to know the player early on and you really get to get in the trenches with them and they they know that you're there for them you know you you can keep some of that stuff from from occurring but you know you, it, it's always fun to hear other coaches and they have you know 
all there's always one or two stories per year where some guy found something on Twitter and he's trying it and you know like it inevitably you know you don't see a lot of it working per se but sometimes it you know it, it certainly does you talk about being prepared and getting off to fast starts. Part of the reason probably has nothing to do with the weather, but you guys on an annual basis really play an incredibly challenging non-conference slate in preparation of the Valley Slate. And this year's really no different with the trips to Austin P. This coming weekend to open the campaign. Then you've got weekend sets with Arkansas State, Central Arkansas, and another matchup with Top 5 Arkansas. Yeah, you know, we um, – when I first started coaching, I, I was at Sac State, and our uh, head coach there, who, who does a really good job, he always tried to give his players one trip per per non-conference early on in the season, where a they were going to be in a tough environment, and b they were really going to get challenged because he wanted to make sure that you know the players got kind of hit in the mouth per se before the season started, so you could kind of get up off the mat, and he didn't want that to happen in conference, so. You know, we've tried to do that and, and probably overdid that. You know, I think in 21, we, we, we were we looked up at it and we're like, man, this might be too too daunting of a task. Um, but ultimately, that that's the goal is to get those guys, you know, hit in the mouth a little bit so that they understand the, the weaknesses that we need to work on. Because in the fall, it, it you know, you understand your weaknesses, but until another team shows you, it's, it's really, really difficult. And I, I think you even saw that happen last year with Tennessee. It was perhaps the best team in college baseball and you know they they lose a game in the super regional and they hadn't lost but you know a handful of games all year and you saw them start to you know kind of spiral down a little bit and you know Notre Dame basically just hit them in the mouth and their season was over so you know there, there's some there's some concepts behind you know the, the way that we try to schedule with that and, and get our guys into some of those environments and then also some of those environments are pretty intimidating for a young you know especially a freshman you walk out at Arkansas and there's 10,000 people there and I mean they got live raccoons running through the stands nowadays so you know there's some there's some good things for our guys to get down into those those situations and um, you know learn learn from things that hopefully help you later on in the season and they're really important because the fact that Year in, year out, especially this year, even with the addition of a couple ball clubs, the Missouri Valley Conference is one of the tops in the country. Yeah, I mean, predominantly it's, it's been a, a two-bid league, something like, you know, 70% of the time for the last however many years. So, um, you know, it, it, it's a it's a tough go in our league. There's multiple teams that have a chance to really, really put out a good product year in and year out. And it's obviously somewhat cyclical. You know, northern teams tend to be more cyclical than the southern teams, meaning that, you know, so-and-so is going to be really good this year, but they probably are a little bit down the following year. And, you know, there's a cycle to the, this thing that seems to happen. Um, it happens, certainly happens in the Big Ten, and it seems to happen in our league. But with that, you know, it, there's four or five teams usually every year that are really, really built to be good that year, barring, you know, injuries or anything, and they have a really good chance to be good. You guys head into this season, picked to finish seventh in what is now a 12-team Missouri Valley Conference, and you return a significant amount of your pitching. I think in vast majority of your categories, just about 80% of your pitching returns. But you got a couple offensive stalwarts you're going to have to replace in the everyday lineup. Yeah, when when we got here, um, we, we inherited a, a very old and talented roster. We lost the entire rotation first year so to the draft 
Um, and then we lost, you know, a couple key pieces late in the game. So we started to rebuild the pitching first. That started in 20 and 21. Obviously, 20 was a COVID year. 21, we were just okay on the mound, but really young. And then, but we could still hit a little bit because we still had some of those older players from that um, first year that we, we were here. So last year, our pitching took that step forward. I think they finished second in the league in, in pitching. And we were really young offensively. We had, obviously, you alluded to Cermak and McCaw and Guile. Um, but other than that, a lot of our guys were really, really young. And, you know, we, we got to conference tournament. We're playing a freshman and left, a freshman and right. Um, we had Chang playing shortstop, who had only had 50 at-bats his freshman year the previous year. Greg Nichols was our second baseman at that point. And he'd sat out for two years in California during COVID at a junior college and, you know, hadn't really played since high school. And you're looking at it, you're like, okay, if these guys take the same step forward that the pitchers did the year before, it's going to be pretty fun. But um, ultimately, that's you know kind of how the, the scholarships and everything were built. As we were losing players, we knew the pitching would be rebuilt first, and you know you were going to have to do that the same thing on the offensive side, which is you know that was that was what we intended to do, and you know we'll we'll see how well it plays out. A lot of newcomers who I know you're incredibly excited about heading into this 2023 campaign as well. Yeah, on on the mound, um, there's there's a young man named Tyrell Chadwick that will um, he'll be in the rotation from from the get go. Um, there's another uh, kid named Thomas Harper that um, he, he certainly battled and, and he very well could wind up in one of those you know four starting spots. And there's another arm, uh, Ryan Borberg, that's kind of separated himself a little bit. He'll be out of the bullpen. Um, th- those three freshman arms are, are really good. You know, Chadwick's been up to 95. Um, Harper's been up to 94 miles an hour. So th- there's some guys that are ready to contribute. And, and the thing about them is they've helped us keep the guys that we had returning in the correct spots. Last year, you know, we had Jared Hart out of the bullpen, and we used him when we were going to win. And we had a couple injuries. Obviously, Lucier got hit in the head with a line drive, and all of a sudden, Jared Hart's our Friday guy. And now we were losing games late instead of you know having him in there as our stopper. So these young men coming in have, have been really good, and we we think at this point it'll allow us to keep Jared Hart in that spot that you know we we coveted him because he, he he's got kind of a rubber arm. He bounces back and. Um, he's kind of, you know, fearless ice in his veins and stuff like that. So hopefully we can keep, you know, some of those pitch, pitchers in the correct spot. On the offensive side, we've added a couple guys. Um, there's a kid named Noel Rabin. He'll probably hit in the middle of the lineup. Um, he was a junior college hitter from Santa Rosa in California that we, we kind of stumbled on him. We got lucky, you know, while he was out in California um, looking at a player and, and he went to see, he had an extra day and he went to see Santa Rosa and he just fell in love with him. And ever since he's been on campus, he's done nothing but hit. Um, so I think he'll be a, a good addition for us. Um, we have two freshmen, Dan Pacella and Shai Robinson, that will certainly get some at-bats. Um, two Two big-time, you know, position players that are, you know, on the recruiting rankings are, are two guys that, you know, we probably have not had since we've been here on, on the ranking side of things. We certainly had some players that come on and done really well, but these guys come in as touted as, as we've ever been able to recruit a guy. So um, there, there'll be some new guys on the offensive side that you know should be able to contribute and you know obviously on the pitching side as well. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. 
Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. Obviously, recruiting, as they say, is kind of the backbone for successful programs. It's a nonstop endeavor. But I would say over the last 10, 15 years, right hand in hand with recruiting has been player development, not only on an individual basis, but also when you're talking about a pitching staff and the different roles they're going to play. That's really been a huge part of the development of some of your athletes over the last five years that you've been here, getting them better and getting them off to pro ball. Yeah, I mean, the the draft can, you know, sometimes be your best friend or your worst enemy as well. Um, you know, we I think we, we've lost nine uh, juniors or incoming players in, in our time here in the in – the, it's really only three drafts, I think, because you've had the COVID draft. It right. really wasn't necessarily a true draft. So um, we've lost some guys that, you know, we wish we could have had an extra year. We'd love to have Ryan Cermak back right now. But um, – you know, on the pitching side, it's kind of like that um, Johnny Cash song, we got it one piece at a time. If you if you look at those roles, some of them were guys, like Derek Salato will pitch on Friday. He was here when we got the job. You had got Tyrell Chadwick. We got him from Kamloops, British Columbia. You know, like you, you got players from all over. Jared Hart was a junior college ad that, you know, we really like the fact he could spin a breaking ball and then all of a sudden he's turned into, you know, he won the ERA title in the league. And you just look up and down the roster, on, on, especially on the mound, and it's just, it is like that song. You know, you just got one guy from over here, one guy from over there. And, you know, we when we took the job, you know, it was one of those that we, we intended to build it pitching first. And, you know, last year was kind of that first year where you looked at like, okay, you know, you know you're on the right path because of you know the numbers were were indicating that, and you had the right guys, and you know you could go to go go to toe with a team like Arkansas and, and hold them pretty well for an entire series. So at that point, we kind of knew we had the right guys. When you talk about recruiting, this is no longer a regional concept. This is one not only with your background out in California and a couple of junior college players you've gotten out of the Big Eight, one of the probably the top junior college conference in the state of California, but this is a national brand now from a baseball standpoint. You went to the NCAA tournament in your first year back in 2019, and you've gotten some facilities that I think will attract players from coast to coast. Yeah, and, you know, part of part of the um, roster diversity, you know, when it comes to where they're living is a byproduct of COVID, too. You know, we were forced to recruit basically off your phone for, you know, I don't know what, year and a half or so. So a lot of that, you, you end up relying on your, on your contacts and, you know, where are guys that you really know that you trust? Cause they're sending you players without you seeing them. And, you know, Greg, Greg Nichols is a guy like that. We never saw him play. You know, I, I grew, grew up in the same town as him. I knew a lot of people. I knew I played for his high school coach at one point. Um, but, without putting your own eyes on it, it, it's tough. And, you know, Wally is from California and, you know, we, we have some California guys on our team, you know, some of it is strictly because of that. And some of it is some of those kids have come out here and had a heck of a good time. And, you know, they, the word spreads and they like to come back and, you know, so they send their buddies basically. Um, but, 
you know, we, we've done well in Canada. You know, Canada's a place where you obviously don't, don't have Division One baseball up there, and those kids are, you know, looking for a place to play. And, you know, we've certainly continued to do a good job in, in Illinois and Wisconsin. And, you know, the, the thing about Illinois is when we got the job, Illinois is one of the most over-recruited areas. You know, a lot of southern schools will come up here and, and take a Chicago kid and take him down, quote-unquote, to the warm weather. And so when we got the job, like the Illinois kids that were still available, there weren't too many Ryan Cermaks running around. We obviously, you know, reeled in Cermak, but, you know, so we had to kind of spread, spread our wings a little bit to try to figure out how we're going to, you know, rebuild this roster. And then all of a sudden, you know, COVID comes and you're doing it on your phone. So, um, you know, it, it certainly is a, you know, a diverse roster. We, we have our, our guy who will play first base on opening day is a kid named Shea Kubo from the portal, which is a whole nother entity that's shown up, but he's from Hawaii, you know, and, um, he came out here, you know, on, on a trip to see the place and, you know, he had been at Northern Colorado. So we, we knew that we were probably okay, you know, weather wise, cause it's tough to sell a, you know, Hawaii guy on, on a winter in Illinois, but he had been through Colorado winter and, you know, he, he was just one of those like chip on his shoulder you know, little man that's going to, you know, play like he's 6'5", and he said, bring the weather on, he doesn't care, and you know, he's been a, a fantastic addition to our team, like, personality-wise as well, like, he's one of one of the guy's favorite players, but there certainly is some, you know, big diversity. Obviously, the roster and the scope of the roster has grown in year four now, but as you look forward to the next couple of years, mainly with the Paul Young pitching and hitting facility that's being finalized down the right field line at Duffy Bass Field, the improvements to Duffy Bass Field. There's been a lot of improvements facility-wise for this program the last couple of years. Yeah, you know, we I, I thought we did a good job. We kind of struck when the iron was hot in 2019. We uh, had, had so much success, and we, you know, were able to raise a lot of money and, and put that, you know, the indoor cage that's just about done. It should be done in the next couple of weeks. Um, and you know, some, some of those things on, on college campuses take a lot longer than, than you, than you would anticipate. Um, and you know, at at times when you're trying to build those things as coaches, it's, you don't have a lot of say in things and you know, the stuff gets, you know, it, it, it's slower. There's a lot, a lot of red tape and things like that. And it, it can make you want to pull your hair out at times, which, um, maybe I did or didn't do, but ultimately our, the, the way that our facilities have gone in the last you know, eight months. It's it's incredible. They're putting a new batter's eye in right now. Um, the the new infield, all the all new turf went went in. I want to say it was July or August. Obviously, the indoors are going to be done, and then on top of it, the athletic department putting in the you know the all sports you know indoor that's like you know the size of a football field. That that that'll be completed sometime this summer, whatever that is, and you know this time next year we'll be able to be in there. So the facilities and stuff like that have have drastically changed since the time we got here. When we when we took this job, there was no batting cage out at the field. There was you know just bullpens, and now we have a batting cage. Now it's it's enclosed. You have you know a new new infield turf. You have all those these things that are coming, and it's it's taken some time. It's taken you know a lot of hard work, a lot of multiple administrators that we've had that you know have had to push stuff through and it, it's it's a lot of work by a lot of people but it, it's going to be fun when it, when it's all done and the facility itself is really a phenomenal place to watch college baseball during the maybe not so much early spring but at least the late spring down the stretch of your season and the nice thing about Bloomington Normal is 
it's a it's a passionate baseball fan base, especially in the youth organizations. And with a home schedule as robust as you guys have, it's pretty attractive for fans to come out and see games this year. Yeah, and it's it's amazing. Like we we played Purdue last year, week five, which is the same weekend we open up here this year. And I think we played them on a Thursday, and we just had one of those you know sixty five degree days in March that you don't you don't always get. And the place was packed, and you know Purdue. I think was they were undefeated at that point. We gave them their first loss, but when when it when the weather's nice, like we we packed this place pretty well, and um, it it'll be interesting to see because if if our team can take that step forward this year, and you know you put a little bit better product on the field, you know we're kind of curious as to what how many fans will, will show up at that point because we've been doing pretty good, and you know during a rebuild. So if if we get if it's rebuilt per se. It'll be even more fun. Now, Dallas Baptist is gone on the Missouri Valley Conference for baseball this year, but you've got the additions of Belmont, Murray State, and now UIC as well. How do you kind of preseason predictions made by coaches and media members really don't very much tell a whole story, but from a coaching standpoint, how do you kind of handicap this 2023 race in the Missouri Valley Conference? Um, uh, like you said, I don't think there's much to the uh, preseason predictions. I know our second year we were picked second, and we had just lost all of our pitching. <laughs> and I was sitting here like, I don't know what's happening, but I don't think we're going to finish second. Um, so ultimately, you know, the, I, I don't know how much stock you put in that. I think people just kind of go up based off of last year and, and, and just kind of mark down who, who was winning last year. But... Um, I don't. I don't think anybody's going to be, you know, too too disgruntled not having to go to Dallas anymore. It was obviously a long trip. They they had a tremendous home field advantage when you played there. Um, they they played their park better than anybody probably plays their home park, and it was a place that you you know your pitchers could get beat up there. It's blowing about twenty five miles an hour out to left every every single day. Then they do a great job. They get on top of the plate and they hook and they they hit the ball in the air and it just keeps blowing out. And um, you know they had some really good arms that were made it hard for you to do the same thing. But um, so losing them obviously is is you know going to be interesting to see how it plays out. But um, you know you added UIC and and, and uh, Murray and Belmont and you know th- those are those are some teams that are going to be able to get better as well. Not, you know. It, remains to be seen what they're bringing into the league um you know you'll, you'll notice that at the end of the year but ultimately i think that the platform in the missouri valley will help those guys recruit you know even even better than what they have been which you know will continue to help our league the valley has a great reputation has for the last 15 to 25 years i would say but as you go through recruiting the valley helps but the amount of players that you have been able to turn out into professional baseball in a short time, that has to help in the recruiting landscape as well. Yeah, it certainly does. I mean, obviously a lot of guys like to, you know, a lot of our guys on our team right now would love to be Ryan Cermak, you know, Brent Hedrick, John Rave, all these guys that are, you know, either on 40-man or, you know, top 10 picks or top 10 rounders, I guess. And, you know, there's we've used that you know to our advantage you know on the recruiting side and you know we have some players now that if you look at our field there's quite a few guys that you know will at least be given the opportunity to play pro ball when their career's done and you know you're you're starting to get it to the point where you can you know 
you can see a lot more of the players, you know, having that opportunity or at least getting looks when, when it comes to that that aspect of things. So, yeah, we've used that to our, our advantage and our detriment because, you know, like you don't have those guys. Like we would have loved to have had Brenton Hedrick for another year, John Ray for another year, Joe Isles, you know, Matt Walker, all these guys that, you know, they, they leave after their junior year, which is the right thing for them, obviously. And it's, it's good for your program overall. But, you know, certainly there's a lot of talent that you would love to have for an extra year if you could. As you kind of look back over the first four years heading into your fifth year in your campaign, this is your first head coaching job after an incredibly successful playing career, not only at high school and college, your Hall of Famer at Oral Roberts, and then a professional career that culminated with stops in the big leagues with both the Giants and the Twins. But in year number five, as you look back at your coaching career as a whole, what are, what are some of the biggest accomplishments that you feel especially here that you guys have been able to tackle so far? Um, geez, I wasn't prepared for that question. So <laughs> while, while I've, I've been here, um, I think getting the facility built to where, you know, we've, we've had it done was, you know, a huge accomplishment. Um, there's obviously a lot, of, a lot of red tape in order to make, make some things like that happen. Um, I, I think you've seen some guys that, you know, we, we won't go name and names, but we, we brought some guys in that, you know, maybe barely got into school, you know, GPA-wise or whatever, and they, they left as, you know, above 3.0 guys, and they got degrees and, you know, some of those things that maybe when they signed here they weren't really too enthralled with, you know, having to get a degree at the end of this thing. Um, I, I think the, those things are, are really, really you know, as you coach, obviously those those are the most important things. The longer you coach, obviously everybody wants to win and lose. You know, win games and not lose. But seeing the seeing the guys grow as you know young men and and, and pursuing things that they want to after some of them are pro ball, some of them are just you know they're they're in corporate America now and and, and they're doing well. Th- those are the things that I think you look at you know accomplishment wise that you know mean the most. Being a native of the Sacramento area, obviously winters are a little bit different here in Bloomington Normal, but what is the one thing that you can't do without here in Bloomington Normal? That you can't do without here? Here. Okay. Um, you know, I think we have a great setup with where we live. You know, my wife and I, we live just north of uh, town here, about, you know, 10 miles north out in the country. Um, our daughter goes to a really good school our second one is a uh, she'll be one year behind so she'll go to the same school next year so kind of that um, infrastructure per se that you have as a as a coach because when you're when you're a coach people don't realize that you know a lot of times you're you're on your own you move to a new city you don't have family you don't have an aunt and uncle a mom and dad grandparents whatever you don't have those people that you can just stash your kids with you know like hey you want to go out to dinner like we don't you know that those things are hard and you know we have daughters and you can't just leave daughters you know with anybody so with that you know having that infrastructure that you know it certainly takes time to build i think that's probably the one thing that we can't do without what's your favorite stop here in bloomington normal restaurant coffee you name it um i would say my if somebody else is paying i like to go to rob dobbs Okay. 
It's fair enough. Yeah. I don't disagree. I haven't been here that long, but I would have to agree with that. So you guys open the conference, the home slate, I should say, coming up on Friday, March 17th. You said that's week fifth. You have Eastern Illinois coming into town for a three-game conference weekend. Any home games that fans should be aware of and circle on the schedule for a good time to come out? Um, obviously, you know, it's, it's always sunny in 75, so you can come out whenever you want. But I, I think that we have the two Minnesota ones. Um, they're, they're in town. It might be their spring break, but there's a Tuesday-Wednesday games with Minnesota I think would, would be an interesting, um, you know, midweeks to see. Um, obviously, the Illinois game, whenever, you know, us and Illinois match up, I think it's always pretty fun. And, you know, it's been pretty evenly matched, per se, the last couple of years. Uh, I think we split last year and we got them at home in 19. I don't think we played them in 21. Um, so th- those are those are some fun ones. Um, you know, on, on the weekend, I, I think there's, you know, we have Missouri State coming back here this year, which, um, you know, we, we've done well against them here. And then they, they took two out of three against us at their place last year and then ultimately eliminated us in the conference tournament and you know they they got hot you know and they played really well they played into a regional and um so it'll be interesting to see what kind of team they got to coach thanks so much for your time today really appreciate it that's redbird head baseball coach steve holm he has been our guest here on this week's podcast birds will open up the 2023 campaign this friday when they open a three-game set down at austin p and then they'll be back at duffy bass field on friday march 17th for their home opener against eastern illinois that'll do it for our show this week for redbird head baseball coach steve holm this is john fitzgerald we'll talk to you next week right here on in the nest this has been in the nest the Illinois State Athletics Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review however you listen. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation on the Xfinity Mobile Redbird Sports Network.